Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Joe and Joe Weather Show on this Tuesday night, the 10th of November, 2021. The Joe and Joe Weather Show brought to you by Omni True Value Hardware at 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York, uh, for the best prices anywhere in the tri-state area when it comes to, whoops, that wasn't supposed to happen. Hold on. <laughs> oh, God. I'm already, this is what happens when you hit the wrong button. I'm running him backwards. Oh, that's just great. Okay, anyway, why don't we just do it this way? Uh, there were 1226 North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon, New York. Best prices in town for rock salt or anything else that you need for this coming winter. They're at 63175. Uh, the phone number is 631-756-1125. North Wellwood Avenue in West Babylon. And the website is omnitruevalue.com. Wholesale holiday lighting by Giannini. With Christmas coming, make your house the best-looking house in the in your entire town. They're your complete holiday lighting specialist, meeting all your decorating needs. So you could have snowmen and penguins and countdown clocks and Santa Clauses and snowmen and elves all dancing on your front lawn. Uh, 162 Ocean Avenue in Lindenhurst, New York, 631-957-5106, and the website is liholidaylighting.com. Oh, we're batting a 1,000 tonight. Now my mouse just died. Oh, great. So this is going to take me a moment. In the meantime, that... Uh, hang on a second, folks. Uh, oh. Okay, now the mouse is back. I can let Rayo in. I can put our lovely faces up on the screen. <laughs> God. Well, you missed it already, Mr. Rayo. Did, did you fix? Did you did you fix did you fix your mouse? Yes. The first thing I did was I hit the wrong button, and the graphic the graphics for for Omni and and um, Holiday Lighting by Giannini started rolling backwards. So I had to reverse them, and that 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 made it worse. Then my mouse just decided to stop working, but no matter. Uh, we are now technically sound, at least for the time being. And the night begins with Michael McGuire banging the tip jar tonight on Super Chat. Thank you so much. 79 degrees was his high where he is in North Carolina. Uh, I, I don't know if I made it to 70 today. I think I got to 68. But I wasn't that cold this morning. I think I think I was down to forty or so. Well, it was a lovely day out there today, and uh, not as mild as yesterday here in Putnam Valley. And it looks like we're going to be getting a little cooler tomorrow. We may have a tough time cracking sixty, but still, it'll be a dry day tomorrow, and then we'll prepare for some wetness. I would I would assume, based upon what all everything I looked at <laughs> right. for uh, for Friday. Yeah, tomorrow's issue is going to be uh, the, the wind off the ocean and arriving clouds as the uh, as the day goes on. Although I think the, the beginning of the day might wind up having at least some sun, I would imagine, because the system is still hung up pretty far to the west. Or as top. And we also had quite a bit of we also had quite a bit of wind out there today. Uh, uh, the wind actually blew down three of Renata's big spike plants, which we brought back outside from the garage during that recent cold spell, but uh, uh, Renata says that uh, they went down because I did not water them. 
I did not put enough water in their uh, in their <laughs> containers, and so the wind and so the wind did its thing, and <laughs> down they went. <laughs> of course, it was your fault. Of course, of course, <laughs> naturally, it's, it's always my fault, Joe. It is. So yes. uh, we're in the season now, Joe. That every run of the GFS is probably going to show snow here at some point, and and. <laughs> And the uh, 18Z run uh, obliged us so beautifully for next weekend, which was hilarious. So this will lead to inevitably uh, the uh, maps of said snow appearing on social media, uh, the proclamations that it is not a forecast, which is then begs the question, why do you put it up in the first place um, without any context? Uh, but too funny. Uh, but but. That's where we are. A lot of confusion in the long range from some folks that follow the long range um, that do good, that are good at it. Uh, not sure how this is all going to break and admitting what I was saying yesterday, which was couldn't figure out why, you know, after a bunch of runs in one direction, all of a sudden there's a, a, couple, a few runs start going in the other direction. And that continued into today until late this afternoon when they went in the back to the original direction. So uh, bottom line is um, we don't know. <laughs> we just don't know. But I, I'm still thinking, I mean, it just, I'm still thinking front end loaded. Well, you know, here's what I'm going to say. And what is today? Today is the 10th of November. I'll make this prediction now. And here it is that the first significant, if not major snowfall in the tri-state area is either going to come on Sunday, November the 28th, or on the 14th of December, which I believe is a Wednesday. Either one of those two days, we will have a significant, if not downright substantial snow. And the reason why I picked those two dates, Sunday the 28th of November is the day that I'm supposed to leave. I was, not I, I was to leave. thinking that that's the, was the one reason. And for, is, for, for, and the and the other day is, is when the day I'm, you're supposed to come back. Supposed to come back, right, right. <laughs> so, put your money down. That is that is my that is my long range prediction uh, for uh, for the next uh, month or so. <laughs> yep. All right. I, listen, I wouldn't doubt it. I I I, uh, I I often I often use conspiracy conspiracy bets like that where. You know, there's a certain date that you have to have clear, and you want nothing to ha nothing to, to go wrong, and you don't want any weather to go on because you've got things to do. And nine times out of ten, uh, you wind up having something <laughs> that you're going to have to deal with. But let's hope that you fly out. I mean, the odds do favor that you will have no issues either going or coming back while you're on that rowboat you're going on. Now that's a different story. But, um, yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> um, oh, Joe! Joe! <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, satellite tonight, it was really a nice day up and down the East Coast, uh, except for maybe northernmost Spain and for north northern half of Florida where there were clouds uh, that were streaming across out of the Gulf of Mexico. But the rest of the East was in fine shape. Now, of course, if you look on the satellite this evening, the bright white, white cloud tops blowing up in the central plains, 
Uh, that's uh, from uh, thunderstorms and from severe weather, believe it or not. And uh, heading on the northern side of that uh, is uh, where the low is, uh, heading up into Minnesota. And eventually we're going to see the northern edge of that precip shield change over to snow uh, in northern Minnesota. And, of course, uh, in the endless deluge that is the Pacific Northwest, you can see more energy coming in off the, uh, off the Pacific Ocean. And there is more rain going on uh, there. On the radar, I want to focus our attention to uh, these two, this cluster, Joe, now it's almost, they've merged to one. And it looks like they're moving from north to south. So I'm thinking that this has got to be, like, this has got to be migratory birds or something. Because it sure as hell ain't precipital off. There, was any, there aren't any clouds around. So um, it could be a, it, it could, be, could be a gaggle of geese. But but Joe, it, what's the direction they're moving? South to north? No, they're moving north to south. Oh no, north to south. Okay. Yeah. Well, it it could very well be. I mean, it's a, so very warm the last few days, and the birds, you know, probably sense that you know this would be a good time to make a long distance, you know, flight. Well, <laughs> they must be doing uh, it at a relatively low latitude, and there's a lot of them because uh, they're they're being picked up by the Binghamton radar. Uh, I, I didn't see any. I, I should probably go over to the Binghamton website to see if they're, they mention anything about it. Meanwhile, take a look at these uh, this couple of lines of uh, uh, thunderstorms here. There were some severe thunderstorms in uh, northwestern Missouri a few hours ago, and in northeastern Kansas. Uh, there are no uh, severe thunderstorm warnings up there, but there are a couple of strong cells. Uh, that are moving eastward now into northwest Missouri. Further south in Oklahoma, we've got a couple of severe thunderstorm warnings up and also down near the Texas state line for another line of strong storms that's moving eastward. And then further north, uh, some heavier rain moving up uh, into um, Wisconsin and through central Minnesota. And I think the stuff that's on the northwest side of this might be uh, a mix of uh, rain and snow. And eventually, you'll probably see mostly snow up here in uh, northeastern Minnesota. And by the way, remember yesterday we had that marginal risk of severe weather uh, in uh, Washington State around uh, in western Washington, which we talked about how we don't really see that too often. I, I did see a story this morning that there was a tornado uh, near Seattle uh, yesterday. Well, that's Seattle? Yes, Seattle. That's now that's <laughs> that 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 throws me for a little bit of a loop. I, I don't ever recall ever seeing something like that in 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 that part of the country in terms of tornadic activity. But it, uh, wow, that's that's amazing. Yep, some scattered precip across Montana, a little bit of light precip in parts of northwestern Colorado. Uh, the rest of the country is sitting quietly. The Storm Prediction Center. We'll come back to. Uh, uh, Friday, because they did actually add thunderstorms uh, in uh, for uh, for Friday. So uh, here we go. We've got we actually have one, two, looks like three severe thunderstorm watches that are in effect right now in this zone of uh, marginal to slight risk. Uh, let me just try that again. Let's see. Uh, one, two, yeah, it's three, uh, and the uh, convective outlook. Uh, two areas of slight risk inside a larger area of marginal, northeast Kansas, northwest Missouri, extreme southeastern Nebraska, and uh, eastern and central Oklahoma 
down into um, north northeast Texas, I guess, the, the northeast quarter there uh, of, of Texas. Now, for tomorrow and Friday, we have no severe weather being indicated yet by uh, the Storm Prediction Center. However, they do have... Now, this goes to Friday morning, so this is why they have thunder, thunderstorm, uh, the, the uh, edge up to New York City and up to the uh, Pennsylvania-New York state line. It's not for anything during the day tomorrow or even tomorrow evening. This would probably be early Friday morning. And you can see general thunderstorms from there uh, down the East Coast, across the Deep South, and along the Gulf Coast. And this, again, is for Thursday to Friday. And moving on to uh, Friday, uh, as the precip moves through in the east, they have a sliver of general thunderstorms from uh, eastern South Carolina, eastern North Carolina, eastern Virginia, Mar eastern Maryland, Delaware, um, New Jersey, all of New Jersey, southeastern PA, to the lower Hudson Valley, to about Route 84, across the southern half of Connecticut and Long Island, which makes sense with that cold front coming through. Um, we um, uh, figured that uh, SPC would do something. I'm thinking maybe they might add a little area of marginal risk. Part of the problem with Friday... Oh, they will. Well, part of the problem with Friday is the timing. Because if, 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 it, if it were to come... If this were arriving late afternoon and evening, I would think they would probably put up a marginal risk. But... Um, being that that we're, you know, it's coming in. The stuff's going to come in Friday morning, and it might be all done by early afternoon, and maybe not. We'll see. Uh, Timothy Veltman, God bless you. Uh, he just posting a link about what we were talking about with the birds from the Weather Service uh, office. Twenty nine, twenty nine point six million birds in flight. Twenty nine point six million birds, Joe. That's a lot of birds. There, that is. Wow. Uh, and it's look at that. And the website that Tim, that the website that Timothy Veldman sent us shows that the oh, Northeast yeah. is I, I'm along with the Texas Panhandle. I'm going to put this on the screen. It, the Northeast is really active tonight. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Hang on a second. And this is what I tell people. I tell people that. Part of the part of the thing, part of uh, you know, doing this show, is that we don't we're not the be all and end all and know all about everything. There are some things that we just, you know, are not aware. Somebody on our chat board will tell us about. And sure enough, thank you, Timothy Veltman, for showing us this. This is this is pretty amazing to me. And uh, oh, I, I love this. I got, I'm going to astonishing. I'm going to save this. This is very this is very cool, actually. Uh, look at that active. Uh, yeah, and and uh, the northeast, the northern mid-Atlantic, uh, heading south and then southwest, and as you said, Joe, in West Texas, western Oklahoma, and into um, into central in, into uh, Kansas. Also, those birds seem to be heading south and southeast toward the. Those are the ones in Texas. The arrows turn southeast, pointing toward the Gulf of Mexico, western Gulf of Mexico, and I would bet that the with the birds coming down. Those arrows in Northern Virginia and West Virginia, maybe that means that they're also heading uh, toward the Gulf of Mexico. This is very cool. That's amazing. That's amazing. I wonder how there, Ms. there is one. I, I wonder how Mrs. Bundy would feel about this. Yeah, I, I you know there is one particular bird that Cornell University studied 
many years ago, the indigo bunting. And the indigo bunting, which is a common bird across much of North America, when it migrates in the spring and then it goes back south in the fall, that bird actually uses the stars to migrate. They, they did experiments inside of a planetarium, and they found that uh, when they move the planetarium around to show certain uh, constellations, such as uh, Ursa Major and the Big Dipper, that the birds actually are attracted to those stars and follow those stars, either coming north or coming south. And, uh, you know, it, it's amazing what these animals, you know, they, they there's still a lot of uh, mystery about right. how the birds do this. And there is Mrs. Bundy. Yes, there she is. <laughs> I have a... Uh... I have a cartoon saved on my phone that I thought was really funny. I, I don't have, I, I can't bring it up right now. But um, so it's a a woman on the beach on a beach underneath a beach umbrella, and she's got her food basket, you know, and and the food is out, and there are about a dozen seagulls <clears throat> yes. right near her, and uh, the seagull says, um, "Okay, lady, here's the deal. We could do this the easy way, or we could do this the Hitchcock way." Which I thought was which I thought was was cute. I'm thank you, Tim. I'm gonna I've bookmarked this. This this is this is good stuff. I I really do enjoy. By the way, migratory scientists have found that the migratory paths of birds are not you know it's not instinct. They're they it's actually taught. From generation to generation, uh, it's uh, the, the studies that they've done. They've done studies showing that um, the young are actually on their first migratory flight are taught the migration paths, and there are certain birds. Um, the European swallow, Joe, comes up from. Uh, let me come back to us full screen, uh, but uh, I think it's the European swallow. Winters in 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 South Africa, and then flies the whatever it is five thousand kilometers, you know, from there all the way up into into Europe where they nest. And on their flight, they have to make the crossing over the Sahara Desert, where there's hardly any water source. But uh, right. so uh, they do. There is a water source there that is, um, unfortunately, not drinkable. The water is, it's basic, it's poison. Um, what is it? It's it's um, acidic, uh, some natural, you know, lake and river. I think it's a lake, and it's a, uh, it, it's highly acidic, and the birds can't drink the water. But uh, out of that. Um, and may, it might even maybe it's too briny. I forget what it was, but um, out of that water hatches millions of millions of flies, and the hatching of those flies is timed to the arrival of the swallows, who then eat the flies and get their water from the flies. The, the you know the the uh, digestion the, the the flies they digest the flies, and that actually provides their water sources. So they can finish the trip across the Sahara, and then. And go on their merry way into Europe. It's amazing that that uh, that they do this, and we complain about it and we complain getting on about getting on the LIE. You know, 
and you know that another another bird that is very very uh, um, robust in in migratory mig migration is the hummingbird. A very you know little tiny bird. And of course, I have uh, several. In fact, I got to take my hummingbird feeders down. It's about time, I think. But still, I mean these these birds actually go across the Gulf of Mexico and traveled nonstop, uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles over the Gulf of Mexico to get down into uh, Central America. It's, it's, you're right, it, it, is, it is fascinating and it's amazing that a uh, tiny little waif like this will, will manage to, uh, to go all that way nonstop um, to go from point A to point B. And uh, this is the time of the year. And again, on that Doppler radar, it appears right now that the, one of the two active regions is right up here in the northeastern United States. Right. Thank you again, Tim. All right, let's uh, let's uh, head back to uh, WPC with respect to uh, the rainfall over the next seven days, and we'll take a look at that, and you'll see that um, pretty much much of this is for Friday, and there's also going to be maybe a few showers late on Saturday with the upper trough going by. Excuse me. Uh, but we're looking at uh, about three quarters of an inch to maybe an inch. I think that's pretty fair. Might be a few pockets, depending on whether the, there's a thunderstorm or two embedded in the mix that winds up uh, producing a little bit more. Uh, you see this little strand that runs from uh, eastern Oklahoma, western Arkansas, northward up the middle and upper Mississippi Valley into the western Great Lakes, uh, where we're looking at uh, anywhere from three quarters of an inch to an inch and a half plus, and some of the precip that's going to fall in northern Minnesota and along the uh, western shores of Lake Superior will be in the form of some snow uh, later tonight and tomorrow. And of course, the endless several to many inches that continues to pile up uh, in the uh, Pacific Northwest. So uh, let's go to the, I, I'm going right to the 10 millibar. Uh, uh, Joe, the, to look at the stratosphere, and a very, yep. very interesting run late this afternoon. By day 10, <clears throat> the polar vortex stretches and almost splits into one center in, um, you know, just north of northern Hudson Bay, another center up closer to the coast near Siberia. I mean, it looks like it's going to split in two here, and then it just kind of reconsolidates into one center, but it remains you know, stretched out and and elongated uh, from North America on one side and deep into Siberia on the other. So uh, at least from the standpoint of what the 10 millibar is telling us, uh, the the stretched out sort of weakish look uh, to the polar vortex uh, is, you know, something that should be favorable for colder air to continue spreading across Canada and then spreading southward. Uh, into the United States. And these runs have been fairly consistent. You know, one thing about looking at the 10 millibar level is the fact that there's only one feature. Okay, so uh, it really isn't going to change very much from run to run. So you look for subtle things that, yeah, those are going to change. But the general flavor of what's happening uh, remains pretty much the same. So I'm going to roll back here, get the new GFS. Uh, we're, we're in a progressive, not the political progressive, but the uh, weather progressive type pattern where things progress from west to east with regularity. And there's your low in northern Minnesota. Actually, that rain should be changing over to snow now across northern Minnesota as the low wraps up. Not, not too shabby there, Joe. 987 low, fairly deep. 
And then you got this arm of yeah. and thunderstorms. It just whips eastward. Uh, it gets in here Friday during the early morning hours and then probably out by early afternoon from west to east. And then the front goes offshore. Now, here's where it gets a, a, a little complicated for the weekend. The problem with all of this, as we look at the the upper air, is the fact that the cold front itself, this is Friday morning. So look how far west the upper trough is. The upper trough is still way back. It's a cold cutoff low in northern Wisconsin. Uh, you know, the, the, the ridge is now just off the east coast. But all the real cold upper air support and the and the and the uh, the trough is still well to the west, even though the surface cold front would would have come through by Friday afternoon. So now we have to wait for this upper trough to swing on by, and lo and behold, we've got a rather strong short wave there Saturday morning from eastern Michigan down into Tennessee, and it, and it seems like it's sharpening up here. Uh, as it uh, heads east, I think this might produce a line of showers and, you know, who knows? Will it maybe, maybe even an odd thunderstorm could be in there. I don't know. It's very cold aloft. And Saturday, I don't think it's going to be all that chilly. We're going to have to wait for this upper trough to go by in order for right. cold air to, to the, the uh, more quality cold air to come in for Sunday. And then another short wave behind it will reinforce it for Monday and Tuesday. Uh, this shot of cold air actually looks reasonable. You know, for this time of year, Joe, I'm still the average highs around mid 50s, um, most places, low to mid 50s. So, you know, if we're talking about a day that temperatures are going to not get out of the 40s for this time of year, that's chilly. Yeah, and you're right. We're going to have to wait for the, uh, if you if you will, a teleconnection between the upper level winds and the surface winds to go northwesterly, and that will not happen until the latter part of the weekend. So even though the actual front comes on through with showers here on Friday, uh, it's gonna take still another 24 to 36 hours for the upper winds to adjust to allow for the uh, push of colder air in here for again Sunday and for the start of next week. Right, and when we look, <clears throat> this run, by the way, went back to a kind of a blocky look toward the latter part of the forecast period. So eventually, this trough in the east early next week lifts out. We get into a little bit of a ridge again for Wednesday and Thursday, which means we'll warm up for a day or two. And then here comes the next uh, round of short waves and troughs into the eastern part of the United States with cold air that uh, spreads out behind it. Now we're into Thanksgiving week. I mean, now here's where the GFS got a little squirrely. If you look at the the bottom right if you look at the bottom part of this jet okay you got this upper low up in, in hudson bay the bottom part of this jet there's a the gfs has got some kind of short wave from nebraska down into west texas that moves eastward while the whole northern part of the jet stream is, is collapsing southeastward and you can see there's a rather a sharp identifiable feature a week from sunday uh, sitting from pennsylvania to off the north carolina coast and of course, we'll show you what it looks like on the surface because we know it's gospel um, this far out into the future. But uh, the overall broad pattern is once again this trough comes into the east. Now, now there is some blocking. You get a, get a high that's building up toward Greenland there around day 12, day 13, and the trough is going to try to lift out. And in this particular case, it does seem to succeed. 
you know, the blocking high, actually the high, the blocking high kind of shifts over toward Iceland. So I don't know. Are we going to then get into a ridge position again uh, as more traffic comes into the West? This part of the last part of it, the last uh, three days of this uh, this particular run, uh, I, I, I have little confidence in. And actually, even from day 10 on, I have probably little confidence in at this point. But here's what it did since I know you didn't look at it, right, Joe? You didn't you didn't look at the 18Z. No. Oh, okay. So no, you'll, I did not. You'll be seeing it for the first time. Okay. Yes. So let's roll it back. and spoil the surprise. So let's. You know my impre- my my opinion of the 18Z. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. I've, I've been fighting off a cold, by the way, for the last last six days. Been I've driving. been fighting off a cough for the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's been driving me crazy. So there's that arm for Friday. And uh, the GFS actually has a not-too-shabby-looking line of, of, of showers with heavy rain and a few thunderstorms here Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, it's offshore. And then on Saturday, now that's that second shortwave that comes around. And I don't, I don't agree with what the GFS does with this in terms of the precip. I think it's probably going to, there's going to be a, maybe a north-south line of showers with that second upper trough. But it does show something here for later Saturday. Much of the day will probably be quiet until maybe Saturday uh, mid to late afternoon and evening. And then the next reinforcement comes in for Sunday and Monday with the, a shower and the lake effect machine gets turned on to a, to a small extent. That cold high moves out. Now, here it comes, Joe. Get ready. Get ready. We got this next front next Friday, right? Do I need to get a drum roll? No, you don't need the drum roll. Uh, but here comes okay. the front. Here comes the front next Friday. Now I'll switch to the close-up. You got a 1037 high in North Dakota spreading out. The front gets hung up. A wave develops on it uh, in North Carolina. Uh, probably in North Carolina, snow breaks out in Southern Illinois, Northern Kentucky, Southern Ohio. And there it is, Joe, the dark blue snows, rain changing to snow before ending uh, with a low that goes out from North Carolina, east, northeast to about uh, 30, 38 and, six, and 69 and a half and a northern snow shield there for early Sunday morning. So write that down. It's on the 252-hour. Rarely is the 252-hour wrong, by the way. Okay. <laughs> you know, if it were the 246. You have no idea, Joe. You know how dangerous it is to say something like that because now all over social media, I know, they're going to use that quote. Right. Uh, Joe Chiaffi says, rarely is this wrong at 252, right, 252 okay. hours. Because, because clearly, clearly there's a, a portion of the population that have no appreciation for sarcasm. Uh, but yes. uh, I was going to say, the 246, I'm, I'm sorry, the two, what did I say? The 246 or the 252 is never wrong. Right, okay. Which one did I say okay. was never wrong? I thought it was. I thought it was. You said two fifty two. Okay, the two fifty two is never wrong. Now the two forty six is never right. Nor is the two fifty. <laughs> now nor nor is the two fifty eight. But the two fifty two, uh, you know, you could just bet the house on the bet bet the bankroll on this, and that leaves us. By the way, 
it does, you know, interestingly enough, uh, let's forget what, I mean, obviously would have to happen in order for this to verify uh, in terms of how cold it is, but actually brings 516 thicknesses down to uh, just about to New York, less than 516 thicknesses on the Monday of Thanksgiving week. So if this were to verify, Lovely. it would be pretty cold to start off Thanksgiving week. And of course, uh, with the fact that we go go to um, a, a blocky look and then it looks more progressive toward the end, the high goes out and then we warm up uh, somewhat for Thanksgiving Day with a rainstorm to our west, but then Thanksgiving Day would be dry. A um, little snow there on Wednesday <laughs> in upstate New York. Okay, so we're going to have these fantasy these fantasy runs uh, for the next five months. So I think I think it's just probably a good idea that we all get used to it. Um, they're going they're going to be there every day. You hear that, folks? <laughs> well, you know, you, you get used to it. Yeah. This is this is the these are the these are the Ajita maps, the Ajita runs. And Joe, I will again, I will again quote. Isaac Asimov from his famous uh, short story, The Last Question. There is, when we're talking about computer information, guidance information, I would say beyond five days. And if you're asking these guidance models to forecast somewhat accurately what may happen, let's say 10, 12, or 15 days ahead, if the computer can talk, it would say, and again, this is a quote from Asimov's story, The Last Question, there is as of yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer. In other words, the answer you may get, you may get, but is it meaningful? I don't think so. <laughs> 252 hours. 252 hours, folks. We still have to wait for this whole weather pattern to just sort of align itself. Um, Dr. Judah Cohen uh, uh, today said he, he actually mentioned uh, the North Pacific Oscillation. Uh, would it, being in a position that is favorable for cold and snow in the east, but he, you know, someone had asked asked him the question about the um, the, the model's volatility lately, and um, and and you know he's he makes a point which I, I I which I've made from time to time. Anytime you've got blocking or attempts for blocking, the models seem to just have a really tough time with it, and they go all over the place. Uh, either they want to make it, you know, go really crazy with it, or they want to completely ignore it. Uh, but I have to say, I mean, given the state of the NAO, given the state of the um, uh, the polar vortex, it would seem to me that, you know, there should, the NAO the NAO has wanted to stay negative since the last week of September. So I'm not seeing anything that really changes that um, going forward. Uh, it does actually go positive. Uh, for about a week, starting from the 16th. And then you've got some of the members staying pop, but not a lot. It's only like one standard deviation positive. And the PNA uh, is uh, going negative now, but then it starts to go back to neutral, and a few of the members go positive also late in the forecast period. So, look, the key is going to be the EPO. As I've always said, you need that to be negative. Uh, in order to get some cold air. And we are going to see it negative from time to time over the next, we're going to see it negative this weekend. We're going to see it negative probably next weekend and into the start of Thanksgiving week. And then we'll, let's just see, you know, where, what adventure these models are going to take us on, um, on a day-to-day -day basis. So 
That's all I have to say. We'll okay. Okay. Oh, we'll let's see. just let's right. just let's just check the state of. They're still. Uh, they got the X out at the Atlantic. A fifty percent chance that this uh, becomes subtropical either tonight or Thursday before it reaches cooler waters. Uh, it doesn't. So that means. So that means we're gonna be, we're gonna have a new name. Is that what they're implying? If it becomes subtropical, I guess so. Yeah, it'll be the first. There's know. a fifty percent chance now, Joe. But <clears throat> after later tomorrow, as it moves over cooler water, that'll be that'll be the end of that. Okay. All right. So let's do a little Briller Jeopardy, and then let's call it a night because I had a very bad night of sleep last night, and I'm exceptionally tired today. So, okay. Um, all right. So here we go. We are still talking Antarctica. All right. At the McMurdo <laughs> station, Joe, the McMurdo station, not the McMullen station, uh, but the McMurdo station, a 50 year, 24 hour snowfall record was broken in April of 2009. How many inches fell in 24 hours? At the McMurdo station. Right. Well, first of all, the, the question the question is, how much snow does McMurdo get? I mean, uh, the it, it, it's not like it, it may be Antarctica, but I, I don't think they get as much snow, let's say, as places that have uh, lake effect or even places like here in the New York metropolitan area. Because, again, Antarctica is really a very, very dry location. Um, so I'm going to say that, is this like a one day all time record for a 24 hour, but let me give you, let me read you this. I just did a quick Google January through December are the months with snowfall. I'm glad they pointed it out that, you know, uh, that, you know, that it snows there every month of the year <clears throat> in McMurdo, Antarctica in McMurdo. During they have 17.8 snowfall days, one uh, 114 millimeters or 4.49 inches of snow is typically accumulated in McMurdo during the entire year. Now I don't understand this. What does that mean? Okay, during the entire year, snow falls for 181.3 days and aggregates up to 1,484 millimeters or 58.43 inches of snow. Well, that, what, was the, that's what, was the, what was the, what was the original question? How much, what is the how record much, for one how, day? Right, how much fell in this, in this 24 hour period? In April of I'm gonna 2009. Say, I'm going to say, 25 inches. Uh, close, 20. Okay. See, now it's, oh, I see. Well, okay, for January, the average snowfall is 6.6. .6. Okay. Right. And for the year. Right. Now, on this thing I just Googled up, it's got the average precip days, 46.1. Average snowy days, 181.3. Total snowfall, 58.4. Um. They do get a lot of what I would refer to as traditional blizzards in, in Antarctica. 
which can last for days at a time, and you know, 40 and 50 mile an hour screaming winds, <clears throat> but not necessarily a whole lot of snow that falls. Okay, the highest wind gust ever in Antarctica happened at Black Island. How high was were those gusts? I'll say I'll say something crazy. I'll say like 90 miles an hour. No, Joe, 211 miles an hour. Oh God! Holy mackerel! <laughs> two, two, now I don't know where Black Island is. I hope it's not in the Drake Passage. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say that, right? You have to say right, that. You know what? Let's take a look. Hang on. Uh, where is? Where is Black Island and Arctica? Okay. Oh, lovely. Black, uh, Black Island is 25 miles south of McMurdo. <laughs> <laughs> it figures. I'm trying to pull up a map here. It's at 78.14 south. 166.2 east. Okay, so you're not going to be I don't I don't think you're going to be near there. Um trying to Oh, Joe, yeah, no, you don't have to worry. It's on the it's it's completely on the other side. Okay, it's it's not on your side. It's on the opposite side. Okay, that's good. That's uh, good. Would you would you allow to to share for me to share the screen here? Oh, it would be a pleasure. One moment. I want to show all of you a video. I've, I've shown this to people on, and it's, on, it's available on YouTube. Go for it. Okay, let me just first get this up uh, into position, and then all of you can see what I'm, what I'm trying to, uh, oops, hang on, hang on. Tom Contino, I'm not stressed, just so you know. It's not possible to be stressed here. I don't know why I haven't been sleeping well for the last week. It could be related to the fact that I've been fighting off this cold. But I can guarantee you it's not stress. I have no reason to be stressed. Okay. Going full screen here. Folks, this is what you call Condition 1 weather in Antarctica. You ready for this? <clears throat> Really like what a condition one in Antarctica would like. Well, what's the scale? Does it go like from one to one to five? I suspect it's at the top. Entryway to our dorm. Normally, this has carpet on the ground, and the walls are just normally walls, you know. We're gonna open the door right now. It's a little bit like opening up the door to another world. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> it's a little bit blowy out there right now. <laughs> Yes, I wouldn't want to travel. I wouldn't want to travel during during those conditions. But anyway, that is condition one in Ant in Antarctica, Joe. What would uh, Tom <laughs> uh, What would Tom Grant do with that in the forecast? 
travelers are travelers are not advised uh, to travel under these extreme conditions. God bless them. All right, question three: Antarctica claims lays claim to the world's largest iceberg. How many miles wide was it? Was it seven miles wide? Was it 15 miles wide? Was it 23 miles wide? Or was it 645 miles wide? I don't know. If I wanted to do my Tom Grant right now, I'd have to do a very nasal type of voice. Uh, this, this weather will be repeated after a short interval. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so which one do you think? 7, 15, 23, or 645? You know, what the hell? I'll say 640. I'll say 645. And 645 is the correct answer. Now, Tom, uh, the supply chain issues, energy crisis, and inflation are causing a ton of hidden stresses in our lives. Okay. For, uh, first of all, I, I have been able to find everything I need, so I really don't have any supply chain issues at the moment. That could change. Um, as far as the energy crisis is concerned, I mean, I can remember when gasoline got over $4 a gallon for a while back in the early part of the last decade. So, you 2000, know, 2008, uh, August of 2008, Joe, I, I remember paying 4.45 for gas. Right. So, and I mean, then, it's then, hardly. And then mysteriously at all, mysteriously at all, I, I remember there was there was one particular dealership that was offering guaranteed 299 gas. And as soon as they came out with that offer, gas prices plummeted. And, and right. they had to, and, and all of a sudden that 299 looked like a like, you know, hey, what are we signing on for? I paid 305 today. You know, so I really there's no I I don't have any problems getting gasoline. My propane tank is full. Um and Inflation, yeah, it's stuff has costed more, but honest to God, I don't really think about it too much. It's not, it's not, um, if, if there's, if there's stress in my life, it ain't from that. All right. So I just uh, want to assure you, I'm not stressed. Okay. Uh, let's see. Just trying to run through, through the chat board. There is an energy crisis in Europe, by the way. Let's make no mistake of that. They're they're um, uh, they're they're having real problems because they don't have anything. They have to import everything. So they, there's a real energy crisis in Europe. But that's you know that's a conversation for another day. And don't fear for your grandchildren. They'll screw up this world the same way we screwed it up. So um, <laughs> that's just the way it works. One generation screws it up. The next generation comes along to repair what the prior generation uh, screwed up, only to screw up something else. And then the next generation that follows will fix that, and then they'll screw up something else. I'm not too concerned, okay? So I'm definitely not stressing about that. All right. Uh, <clears throat> I think we can wrap it up tonight. I'm, um, I'm wanting to go to bed. That's what I'm wanting okay. to do. So Well, have a good... Have a good night's sleep, and we'll see you tomorrow. All right. Hey, so so happy it's Thursday. Yes, uh, I agree. I love that. I love that acronym, even more than TGIF. But it's Thursday tomorrow, and uh, 
we will be back and uh, we'll talk talk more then. All right, Mr. McGuire, thank you again for hitting Super Chat tonight. As always, uh, hitting the tip jar is greatly appreciated. And everybody, thanks for being here and taking time out of your day uh, to uh, join us here on the Joe and Joe Weather Show. Uh, the chairman says the answer was 23. Oh, 23 miles. Wasn't 645 miles, it was 23 miles. No problem. Oh. So we've corrected yeah. that. Um, and thank okay. you, Scott, for uh, sending, in, sending in these uh, Antarctica questions. And uh, Joe and I will be back tomorrow night at 7.30 Eastern time. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody.